The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. ending coming up just about now.
Good afternoon, you are tuned to Resonance 104.4 FM, the world's most magnificent art radio station. This is me, Simon Tishko. This is 2015. This is another Sonic Detour. Where are we going to go today? As usual, I'm not quite sure. Ha ha! We're going to have a little bit of mix of art. We're going to have some politics. We're going to have philosophy. We're going to have big issues, small issues. But overall, the theme of today's Isotopica, Sonic Cultural Detour, is nothingness. Because I'm in one of those rather strange spaces at the moment. I've just come out of a period of artistic collaboration. Um, a resident here at Flight Project, www.flight.org, was Elo Massing, Estonian composer and all around, I'll say that word again, magnificent artist. And we were doing lots of stuff together. She's just gone to Berlin and I'm kind of perhaps lacunae, little space, little, little hole at the moment while I rev up the engines and get on with stuff, but there you go. So, today's Ice Topica reflects that, perhaps. But don't let that stop you enjoying it. Why don't you just pin back your ears and let's see where we go on Ice Topica today. By the way, we're coming up to the Resonance FM annual fundraiser, which last week was rather fun. If you remember, um, I held a group of uh, rather rich children hostage in the studio and none of them were going to get home until people paid money and then even after they paid the money we didn't actually let any of them free that was kind of you know just to show the world is quite a harsh place here in 2015 this year quite literally i'm going to be auctioning off some extraordinarily cool fish and um some paid for podcasts and some artworks and some other bits and pieces plus an extended live isotopica i do believe but anyway we're here today why don't we listen see what's going on and pin back your ears with today's ice topic out here on resonance 104.4 fm synthesis is a three-part process the first part is thesis understanding that which is to the extent that you can the second part is the opposite of that, antithesis or antithesis, and that opposite of sound is silence. And the third part is out of that silence you bring something new, that's synthesis, and that is the process. First learn everything you can about the real world, real sounds, then go into your head, relax and imagine, and then from that imagination figure out how to make that a real thing and bring it into the real world where it becomes thesis and you start the process round again. Thank you very much, Mr. Howarth, and it is of course a pleasure to serve under your chairmanship for this all too short debate about the place I think we affectionately refer to as the other place. But another worldly place I think it would be quite hard to imagine or conceive. The House of Lords must now be about the most bizarre, absurd, ridiculous political institution that we have anywhere in the world. Bloated, ermine coated, never been voted, 
It is now an affront to every sense and notion of democracy. There are now some 847 souls who inhabit this place just now. That makes it the second largest political legislature anywhere in the world, save the People's Congress of China. Now, like the Chinese Politburo, it's similarly a stranger to democracy. But unlike the People's Congress, it can't even claim a constituency and can't claim to represent anybody whatsoever at all. Now, who are these curious, strange people who inhabit this gold-plated, red-upholstered Narnia? Well, the vast majority of them are appointed. Some of them are appointed by an independent appointments authority. But the vast majority are appointed by the Prime Minister, from lists drawn up by the three establishment Westminster parties. No other legislature in the world is composed quite like this, other than Lesotho in southern Africa. Now, they're not all appointed. We have what's called the baronets. There's 86 of them, Mr Howarth. Baronets, people who have a role in our democracy because of birthright. People who can scrutinise, initiate and consider our legislation because they are the first son of a family that won a decisive battle in the Middle Ages. This isn't an episode out of the Game of Thrones. This is the fifth largest economy in the Western world. And we can't... Of course he would. I agree with a lot of what he had to say. Does he feel that it's any less desirable to be the firstborn son of someone who's had a hereditary period for six or seven generations than it is to be a large-scale donor to uh, the political party, which is how most of the people, it seems to me, have uh, earned their places in this particular house or being uh, superannuated council leaders over the last 15 years? Well, I'm very grateful to the honourable gentleman because I have a, a very few choice words to say about the appointees to the House of Chamber. So if he bears with me, I will come to those very points. So I've got the hereditaries. But to make the place even more bizarre and surreal, there's 26 places reserved for bishops. But not just any ordinary bishops, they have to be Church of England bishops. Again, the House of Lords is the only legislature in the world that has places reserved for clerics other than the Islamic State of Iran. And we can't get rid of these people. We can't get rid of them. They're now allowed to retire. They're not accountable to any constituency. They're not accountable to any electorate. The only people that seem to get rid of them aren't the public of, the great, of great Britain. It's the Grim Reaper. And one of the few House of Lords reforms we've had in the course of this par parliament is the ability to allow these people to retire. Only one has come forward. So what do we do? We make inducements to try and get them to retire. They can now use the facilities of the House of Lords if they choose to retire. They still won't come forward. Mr Howard, this is a ridiculous and absurd institution. The average age of the House of Lords is now 70 years old. And how much does this political circus cost? Well, last year it was almost £100 million. Pounds. And their friends in the House of Lords don't come, come cheap. Of course they should come cheap. They could claim £300 per day for just turning up to work. Now if that's too much trouble for them, they could claim £150 per day for working from home. Your average, if you could call them such a thing as average, work, House of Lords, your average peer now costs a cool £28,000. Now some of them 
do work hard and we know lots of examples of some really hard working peers would turn up diligently day after day to put in the work and do that shift but too many of them all too many of them do practically nothing for this money that they're given by the taxpayer now i don't want to pick on my scottish um, peer colleagues but i had a cursory glance at the activity list of some of my scottish peers who notionally i believe look after Scottish interests in the House of Lords. And where again, some of them are diligent, hard-working individuals, all too many of them do practically nothing for this taxpayer largesse. There is, for example, of course, if we to the uh, I mean, it is important in this debate uh, that we look perhaps beyond just the issue of the composition of the House of Lords. Um, he refers to the idea of Scottish interests being looked after by Scottish peers. That's not their purpose. They do not have a constituency interest. They are here to uh, scrutinise uh, legislation. Perhaps he could go into a little bit of detail about some of the very worthy work that is done by a significant number of uh, peers, perhaps not all 800 or so, but certainly several hundred who do uh, play that important role, uh, even though they obviously have no representative uh, interest. Again, I'm very grateful to the and I just beg patience once again, because I'm just trying to take a little bit of a background exactly to the activities of the House of Lords and the type and the nature of the Chamber that we're dealing with. I do want to come on to this, but I think it's important that the taxpayers of this country get to understand the type of service that they get for this £100 million that is paid on an annual basis to sustain these people. Some of them who work very hard, as the Honourable Gentleman says, but some of them some of them who do next to nothing at all. And I think it's right and proper that we look at these people, because we can't get rid of them. We can't do anything about it. They're not accountable to any constituency. So it's right that they're scrutinised, just like the Honourable Gentleman is a parliamentarian, just like I am as a parliamentarian. I think it's right that we look at the activities of our colleagues and friends in the House of Lords just to assess and just to see if we do get that value for money. Which brings me back once again, Mr Howarth, to my colleagues, the Scottish peers. Now, they don't represent any constituency, but what I do, I turn up to these meetings and I see a Scottish colleague here, and we see the Scottish Lords in attendance, and they're always at these type of events, and again and again we're told that our interests are looked after in the House of Lords on that basis. But what we find is Baroness Adams of Craigie Lee, who's claimed that eye-watering £50,000 but has spoken in only two debates and has never asked a written question since entering the Lords in 2005. There's Lord Kirkhill, who costs us £49,239, spoken in no debates and again has asked absolutely no written questions. Further down the list, there's our noble friend, the Lord Elder, again £50,000, but and again spoke in two debates and asked no questions. He did though as a good public servant serve on the Refreshments Committee between the years 2008 and 2013, which brings me on to the very good and impeccable culture tests of our Lordships, because what we found in the course of the last four years, they've got through some 17,000 bottles of fine champagne costing more than £260,000. Well, the Honourable Gentleman to the advice in asking my um, uh, with references to members of the House of Lords, and it says, it is considered undesirable that any member of the House of Lords should be mentioned by name or otherwise identified for the purpose of a criticism of a personal nature. It is, of course, in order for the Honourable Gentleman to talk about what they do, how they're appointed and so on. Uh, but I think he is 
now straight into territory that is probably inadvisable. Uh, well, I'm grateful, Mr Howe, and I promise not to do it again. But on to our champagne, if I may, Mr Howarth. Because, seemingly, the House of Lords rejected the vulgar variety that served in the House of Commons. This, and then I quote, because the Lords feared that the quality of champagne would be not as good as if they had a joint service with the House of Commons. This was reported in one of our many joint committees. And we had the astonished chair, the Right Honourable Member, the Member for Blackburn, who turned to the clerk and said, did you make that up? The clerk assured him he did not. We say, space and time are reborn to us today. Space and time are the only forms on which life is built and hence art must be constructed. States, political and economic systems perish. Ideas crumble under the strain of ages. But life is strong and grows and time goes on in its real continuity. Who will show us forms more efficacious than this? Who is the great one who will give us foundations stronger than this? Who is the genius who will tell us a legend more ravishing than the prosaic tale which is called life? The realization of our perceptions of the world in the form of space and time is the only aim of our pictorial and plastic art. In them we do not measure our works with the yardstick of beauty. We do not weigh them with pounds of tenderness and sentiment. The plumb line in our hands, eyes as precise as a ruler, in a spirit as taut as a compass, we construct our work as the universe constructs its own, as the engineers construct its bridge, as the mathematician his formula of the orbit. We know that everything has its own essential image. Chair, table, lamp, telephone, book, house, man. They are all entire worlds with their own rhythms and their own orbits. That is why we, in creating things, take away from them the labels of their owners. All accidental and local, leaving only the reality of the constant rhythms of the forces in them. Then, in painting, we renounce color as a pictorial element. Color is the idealized optical surface of objects, an exterior and superficial impression of them. Color is accidental and it has nothing in common with the innermost essence of a thing. We affirm that the tone of a substance, i.e. its light absorbing material body is its only pictorial reality. We renounce in a line its descriptive value. In real life there are no descriptive lines. 
description is an accidental trace of a man and a thing. It is not bound up with the essential life and constant structure of the body. Descriptiveness is an element of a graphic illustration and decoration. We affirm the line only as a direction of the static forces in their rhythms in the object. We renounce volume as a pictorial and plastic form of space. One cannot measure space in volumes as one cannot measure liquid in yards. Look at our space. What is it if not one continuous depth? We affirm depth as the only pictorial and plastic form of space. Four. We renounce in sculpture the mass as a sculptural element. It is known to every engineer that the static forces of a solid body and its material strength do not depend on the quantity of the mass. An example, a rail, a T-beam, etc. But you sculptors, of all shades and directions, you still adhere to the age-old prejudice that you cannot free the volume of mass. Here in this exhibition, we take four planes and we construct with them the same volume as the four tons of mass. Thus we bring back to sculpture the line as a direction and in it we affirm depth as the one form of space. We renounce the thousand years old delusion in art that held that static rhythms eh, as the only element of the plastic and pictorial arts. We affirm in uh, these art, a new element, the kinetic rhythms, as the basic form of our perception of real time. These are the five fundamental principles of our work and our constructive technique. Today, we proclaim our word to you people in the squares and on the streets, we are placing our work convinced that art must not remain a sanctuary for the idle, a consolation for the weary, and a justification for the lazy. Art should attend us everywhere that life flows and acts. At the bench, at the table, at work, at rest, at play, on working days and holidays, at home and on the road, in order that the flame to leave should not extinguish in mankind. We do not look for justification neither in the past nor in the future. Nobody can tell us what the future is and with what utensils does one eat it. Not to lie about the future is impossible and one can lie about it at will. We assert 
that the shouts about the future are for us the same as the tears about the past, a renovated daydream of the romantics, a monkish delirium of the heavenly kingdom of the old attired in contemporary clothes. He who is busy with the morrow today is busy doing nothing, and he who tomorrow will bring us nothing of what he has done today is of no use for the future. Today is the deed. We will account for it tomorrow. The past we are leaving behind as a carrion. The future we leave to the fortune teller. We take the present day.
changes always, because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave. This new world changes always, because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave. 
this new world changes always because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave. This new world changes always because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave. This new world changes always because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave. This new world changes always because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave. This new world changes always because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave. This new world changes always because even the history of the world is a sine wave and continues to be a sine wave.
been listening to my Sodka here on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Simon Tishko, and I hope you've enjoyed today's twiddle around the sonic mixing desk of my life. Um, coming up quite soon is Resonance FM Fundraiser, and you can find details of that at fundraiser.resonancef.fm. Rather unusual and apposite. Um at the end of the website there. Details of that are actually on my website, www.theculture.net, where you can find previous episodes, future episodes, last episodes, other wider worldwide work that we do here at theculture.net, and um, all things like that. In the meantime, uh, all the episodes of Isotopica are streaming on my website and they are loggable and downloadable as podcasts via iTunes and some of them appear on the Resonance FM website too. This is me, Simon Tishko, signing off for another seven days, getting ready for the Resonance FM fundraiser where this year we will be auctioning some extraordinarily cool stuff. I'm going to say stuff because earlier on I had to beep out the word I used before, but that's the way it goes. This is pre-Watershed Radio, even though it's art. This is me, <coughs> Simon Pishko signing off for another seven days hope to catch you soon stay tuned to Resonance FM quite frankly the world's most wonderful wonderful heartfelt said arts radio station signing off sayonara ciao This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.